I suspect you're somewhat like me. And when I find like a hobby, like a new hobby or something, and I really like it, I like go all in, right? Or, or if there's a book I run across and I read the book or I listen to it on audio, I don't know. Does it count if you, like if you listen to a book? Does it count as reading it? I don't know. But, but, but you come across it and you go, wow, this is amazing. I love this book. And you, and you find out it's a series. You don't just stop at the one book, right? What do you do? You get, you get them all at once. And then you go through them and you're like, oh, wow. And, and typically with books, maybe not movies, but typically with books, they get better as they go along, typically. And, uh, and, or maybe that's the, the, the same with a TV series that you watch. You find this, you're like, wow, this is amazing. So then you binge the whole thing. You go whole, hog wild into it. You get a t-shirt, you get posters or whatever. Um, could be anything, right? You get into fishing and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is fun. And you want to do all the fishing, all the kinds of fishing everywhere you could possibly go and spend all the money for the fishing. Uh, you go, go nuts. You go full in, all in. Uh, or, or uh, you know, single people, right? There, there are single people. Maybe you were a single person once. Maybe you are a single person now. And you know how it is when sing, two single people start like dating, right? And then all of a sudden, like their whole brain is consumed with this other person, right? It's, it's, if, if you're in it, you don't see it as much as if you're an outsider and they're just like, everything is focused on this other person. You're like, there's more to life. Remember to eat, right? Like you have to sleep as well, right? I remember when Kristen Eister first started dating. There we go. <laughs> That was a weird thing to mix up there. Like I, I lost all kinds of sleep, right? Because we're just like up and hanging out and going for walks on campus late at night. Like it's, it's just crazy. You're just all in. Well, oftentimes when we come to faith in Christ, it's a wonderful thing. And, and as he reveals his beauty and glory to you, you're just like, man, I want more. I want to go further. I want to go deeper. I want to go farther. What happens when we go deeper in our relationship with the Lord? What happens? You know, in, in a, if two single individuals are generally healthy people, you know, as they go deeper in their relationship, it, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it, it gets better and better and more beautiful and, then, and, and sometimes turns into like one of these, hey, they've been married for 50, 60 years and it's a wonderful thing to see. But with the Lord, what happens when we go deeper in our, into our relationship with Him? We would imagine we'd see his beauty even more, right? Well, we come to Exodus 19. God has delivered Israel from slavery out of Egypt. They've been traveling for probably about three months. And the text uh, today uh, seems to indicate that. They've been traveling through the wilderness in three months. And then they come to Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. This is the same mountain where God called Moses to go deliver his people. Chapter 19, verse 1, it says, In the third month, from the very day the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. They traveled from Rephidim and came to the Sinai wilderness and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Now, this is significant because if you remember way back in chapter 3, this is where <laughs> when God appeared to Moses and he said, hey, I want you to go and deliver my people. And Moses goes, give me a sign. Like, what's the sign that all of this will happen that you'll say? Like, he's one guy. Remember, he's already tried to have an insurrection and it failed miserably. Send him in exile. He's failed already once. And God is saying, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh and, I want, and you're going to bring all of my people out of slavery and this will be your sign. 
Moses, what, what's the sign? He says, the sign will be that you will all come here at this mountain and worship me. Which is a really weird sign, isn't it? Right? Like, what's the sign that you're going to go before me? You're going to do the thing, and then you're going to come here. Wait, no, no, no. That's not how signs work. Signs come before the thing, not after the thing, right? And so that's what Moses said, and God gave him further signs and evidence that he was God. And, uh, and he was going to be with him. But this was the first sign he gave. And now, this is the culmination of, of that moment. And Moses and all of Israel has to be excited. They know the story. This is where God appeared to me. This is where he came in the burning bush that wasn't consumed. This is where he spoke to me about your future. This is where, where we are coming to worship him. This is the culmination of the, the last year, two years of our desperation and fight against Egypt. I mean, can you imagine the excitement, the anticipation? This is, this is like a kid uh, on Christmas morning level of anticipation. This is like if you have a new job that you really want, right? You know what you're feeling when you go to that? You're like super excited and like mega anxious at the same time. This is like, like the day before the wedding day, right? Where it's just like nerves and excitement and happy and joy and ah, it's all there. It's all there. They get to experience God in an even deeper way. What happens when we go deeper in our relationship with the Lord? We imagine we're going to see more beauty. Verse 3, Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Okay, the first thing that jumps out at me is, um, is God a fan of the Lord of the Rings series? Right? <laughs> the eagles are coming. Right? <laughs> like, no. But obviously, he didn't carry them literally on eagles' wings, as we saw in the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, he, he didn't actually literally do that, but he's saying, this is like how I delivered you from Egypt. is like you got on an eagle's wing and you flew out of Dodge. Or Mordor, as the metaphor goes. Um, but he, he's, he's, he's saying to them, I want to make you, I want to make certain you want to go deeper in this relationship with me. Do you want this? You are already my people, but do you want to go deeper? And if you do, you will be my holy people. I already own the whole earth. Everything is mine. Everyone is, is, is my creation, but I'm going to make you holy. The word holy, do you know what that means? Simply, it just means set apart. Holy just means set apart. It means different. Um, oftentimes we talk about marriage being holy matrimony. It means set apart. It means I'm going to have a relationship with this person unlike any other person that I know, right? And that's what marriage is. It's supposed to be a different relationship where you know each other, um, not just physically different than anyone else, uh, but, but also emotionally different. That's why our court system cannot and will not compel a married couple to testify against each other in a court of law because marriage is higher than even the government. It's holy matrimony. This is a relationship unlike anything else, and no one has the right to violate it. Um, that's what he's saying. It's kind of like a marriage proposal. God's like, you're my people, but, but do you want to go deeper? Do you want to be my people that I've set apart 
from everyone else. You will be my representatives on this earth. You will represent me well. Uh, you are going to bring other people into relationship with me, but you are going to be different than everyone else. Do you want to go deeper? What happens when we go deeper in our relationship with God? And of course, right? Like you know, my relationship with Kristen as, as we've gone throughout the years, and of course, ups and downs and struggles and difficulties, but I love her now more than I did, how long have we been together? 18 years? 19 years? I don't know. It's been a long time. <sighs> It's over half of her lifetime, not quite half of my lifetime yet. We're getting there. We'll get there soon. Right? You imagine it's going to be more beautiful. Verse 7. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that Yahweh had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, We will do all the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. Um. So they say, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds, I, don't you want to be special? Don't you want to be set apart from everybody else? Absolutely. Um, this is like in our life, right? When you, not, this isn't for everyone, but oftentimes when you trust Jesus for the first time, when you truly trust him and you give your life over to him and you believe that he died for your sins and rose again, and you say, yes, I believe that. I repent of my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. Not for everyone. Sometimes it's just like, okay, it just happens and you're emotionally flat and that's okay, that's normal. But for many of us, when we came to faith in Christ, there is this, this overwhelming sense of joy. There, there's this, this emotional moment that happens. And we go, wow. And then you start following him and it gets better and you read the word and it gets better and you pray and it gets better and you're like, man, can this possibly ever get better? And you want to go deeper. And I think that's what Israel's feeling here right now. They're like, wow, he beat our enemies. He not only beat our enemies, we saw the Red Sea part. We've seen miracles. We have manna coming down from heaven. We don't have to cook. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that if the God of the universe <laughs> right now? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, hopefully, ladies, if you're a mom, you get this day that you don't have to cook, right? Um, if you're the one who does the major cooking in the household. <laughs> but every day, every day, it's just like, no, all you got to do is go get the ground bread and you're good to go, right? You don't have to cook. This is amazing. How much better can it get? Of course we want to go deeper. I said that last part a little like Jerry Seinfeld. Did you catch that? <laughs> so then, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so the people will hear when I speak with you and, you will, always, and will always believe you. Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day... The Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't go up to the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain must be, be put to death. No hand may touch it. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows and not live, whether animal or human. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up to the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be prepared on the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. Whew. Okay, so the people say, yes, we want this, right? All right, we're ready. Like, God, show us your beauty. Show us your glory. And what's the response? God says, all right, get them ready. Consecrate them. Like, okay, all right. For three days, okay. 
And Moses goes by, by the way, you can't have sex with your spouse. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's just three days. I guess it's worth it, right? God's worth it. I can wait for three days. It's not a big deal. Um, and he says, when you hear the, the ram's horn, uh, they may go up to, and our translation's difficult, up to the side of the mountain. Because he says, don't come onto the mountain. Don't come onto the mountain. For whatever reason, he says, don't come onto the mountain. Okay, you can come up to the side of the mountain. Great. Now here with me, like, I don't know. When I was young, er, still young, when I was younger, I, like, I had these grandiose ideas that I was going to transform the entire universe, right? Like, did, you, did anyone ever else have those ideas? Like, man, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to change the world. I mean, I did. And, and, you know, as you go through life and as you get older, you realize that changing the world is really mundane. And I think that's what Israel's feeling here. They're like, man, we're going to experience God, and it's going to be amazing, and we're going to be a special people. And he's like, all right, consecrate yourself. Wash your clothes. Do the laundry. Wait, what? <laughs> you want to experience me deeply? You're going to do your laundry. Wait, really? <laughs> and you're going to abstain from normal relations with your spouse. What? Right? Like, changing the world, experiencing God deeply is usually very mundane. Changing the world usually re requires things like, you know, paperwork, and um, taking out the garbage and cleaning things and helping others in ha really helpful ways like doing their laundry, you know, folding your kids' socks. Kids' socks are the worst, right? Like my sons are okay because they're all the same, but my daughter has like 8,000 different colors. And it's like, ah, 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 where are they? It's like the most epic Where's Waldo puzzle ever. And this is how God changes the world when, through mundane tasks that you do to serve other people. It's not glamorous. It's not glitzy. He goes, consecrate yourself. Make yourself ceremonially ready. Get your brains in order to experience me. Okay. All right, that's worth it. It's worth it. Three days. Three days, it's fine. It's worth it to, to experience God, right? So what happens when we want to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord? We're going to experience His beauty, right? We're just going to, His glory is going to overwhelm us with beauty. It's just going to be amazing and wonderful. And then verse 16. On the third day when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in the thunder. What? Close your eyes for a second. Just everybody close your eyes. Just imagine. Imagine what the people of Israel were experiencing. And Drayton, get ready to, to play this. Not yet. But just, just, just with your eyes closed, imagine what Israel's thinking. They've been traveling. They want to go deeper in their relationship with God. They've seen signs and wonders, and they think we are going to experience God's beauty. And then God comes down. A cloud descends upon Mount Sinai. Wait, what is this? What's happening? Thunder and lightning blare. This isn't God's beauty. This is, this is something else. 
And then they're thinking, where's that horn coming from? There's no one on the mountain. Fire starts descending upon the mountain and the smoke billows up to the sky. The whole earth begins to shake and quake below them. And the sound of the trumpet gets louder and louder and they don't know where the trumpet sound's coming from or who's even making the sound of that trumpet. And in the moment where they thought they were going to experience God's beauty, unlike anything else, they realized that Yahweh, the Lord, the one who causes things to be the way they are, is terrifying. That's what it is to go deeper with God. You think you would go and see His beauty, see His beautiful glory, and yet they are terrified. Verse 20. I find this a little humorous, actually. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and he went up. The Lord directed Moses, go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord. Otherwise, many of them will die. Even the priests who came near the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out in anger against them. Moses responded to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consecrate it. If this was you, and you just saw all that, are you going up the mountain anytime soon? <laughs> the Lord tells Moses, yeah, warn them not to come up. Really? I mean, that's like if you're walking through the woods, you're going for a hike, and then you come across a 20-foot fence that goes as far as you can see and it is covered from bottom to top in barbed wire and you can hear it buzzing with electricity right and then someone decided hey it'd be a good idea if we put up a sign no trespassing <laughs> really you know i thought the barbed wire was an invitation to come on through i mean if israel if i was israel just what is happening and god is showing them i have made you Holy, I have set you apart from other people. But guess what? I am holy from you. I am set apart from you. And he reiterates it. He says it a second time. Verse 24, And the Lord replied to Moses, Go back down and come back with Aaron. But the priests and the people must not break through and come up to the Lord, or he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, so he says it again. He tells them twice. Don't come up. Don't tell the people not to come up here. I am holy. I'm terrifying. Don't come near. What happens when we go deeper with the Lord? At some point, when we go deeper with the Lord, He reveals His terrifying goodness to us. He reveals His terrifying holiness to us us. It seems counterintuitive because we want to see his beauty, right? We say, I want to experience your glory. I want to experience you, Lord, and, and, and be overwhelmed by it and be overcome by it. And the reality is, is that God's glory, God's goodness is more than we can handle. 
It is absolutely terrifying. And he is showing Israel, yes, I have set you apart, but never for a moment think that you are so great and so wonderful and so mighty that you are anything like me. You are not and you never will be. I am God. And you need to show reverence. You absolutely must show me reverence and fear. So what do we do with this? Now some of you are like, well, glad thing I never went that deep with God that I saw His terrifying goodness and glory. What do we do with this? Yeah, weird text for Mother's Day, isn't it? And you now see why that boom was very apropos for today. What do we do with this? Think about uh, some of the most terrifying forces of nature you've ever experienced. Right? I, I can remember we were driving, I was a teenager, we were driving across country with my parents in some very flat place and there were uh, tornado warnings and wind and everything and we, we stopped under an overpass and there was other cars under there and everyone's like kind of like trying to get under the, because that's the only shelter that's anywhere, right? That's terrifying. Some of the blizzards that you have gone through while you're driving are just horrifying and even not driving. I remember Kristen and I, when we lived in California, there were wildfires all around us, thousands and thousands of acres burning, so much so that the sun was blot out from the sky for days. Terrifying. Uh, I, recently, wind. I, wind. We've had so much wind uh, the last few years here. It's been incredible. And, and you guys know, we've, we have this over 100-year-old house on top of a hill. And when we first moved in there, because it was so old and there was a lot of updates that needed to happen, still are a lot, a lot of updates that need to happen, um, I, did not, I didn't trust it, right? I mean, I know it stood the test of time, but anytime there was wind, you know, it'd kind of make noise and everything because of the window seals. And, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I'd be scared and like, who's the house going to make it? I don't know. And I remember one night, it's going awful, and it's like, ah, I guess we got to go to bed. So Chris and I lay down, we go to bed, and at some point I had a nightmare. Uh, a nightmare that the entire roof was caving in on our bedroom. And as I'm having that nightmare, in real life, I jumped up out of bed, rolled over on top of Kristen, and put my hand up to, to shield her body. Now, Kristen was unaware of this dream. <laughs> so she did not appreciate my act of bravery and heroism. In fact, she still doesn't. Because I'm... <laughs> ah, you're fine. What's up? Ah, what are you doing? Right? And, and later, I, I keep telling... This is years now. I've, I've been telling her, look, like, in my subconscious, I want... To, my first instinct and impulse is to sacrifice my body for you. Doesn't that get me any brownie points? No. <laughs> You think about all of those horrifying natural disasters, those forces of nature you've ever experienced. And I think what God was showing Israel and what he shows us when we see those in the real world, well, in the modern world as opposed to the ancient world, this really did happen. I think he's showing us that he is even more powerful than these things. He is even more powerful than these things. And the incredible thing is, as we see with Israel and as we see in the New Testament, that if you belong to God, in the Old Testament, they were saved the same way we are, by trusting in the Lord, right? This, if you want to be saved, if you want to be transformed, if you want to make sure that you belong to God, it's the same thing in the Old Testament. We trust that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. 
If you trust that He died for your sins and rose again, you belong to God. You're a part of God's family. He adopts you into His family. He forgives you of your sins. And you have an eternal destiny that is worth living. And the New Testament tells us that if God is for us, who can be against us? I think God was showing Israel, I am for you, and guess what? I'm terrifying. But you're on my side. So you don't have to fear anyone else. That's what He's showing us today. Every time you see stories of, of tsunamis and earthquakes and, and wildfires and wind and hurricanes and tornadoes, they are terrifying genuinely, but God is saying, I am even more powerful than them, and if God is for us, who can be against us? You are on God's side if you belong to Jesus Christ. His goodness, yes, is terrifying, but He's showing us that to say, if you are on My side, if you belong to Me, and you can know that you belong to God by trusting in Jesus. If you belong to Him, who do you have to fear? What in this life can anything do to you? It can't tear you out of His hand. It can't take you out of His will. It might seem horrible. It might seem dark. It might seem difficult. It might be hard. But God, if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing can go against a God this powerful. Nothing. When you go deeper in God, there will be a point in time where He shows you His terrifying power, His terrifying goodness. And it's scary. But with trembling hands, we realize, I've just seen a taste of your glory, a taste of your goodness, a taste of your holiness. And you say that you're with me? That you're for me? Whom shall I fear? I can't fear anyone. This same terrifying God is with you when you have sinned and you need redemption. This terrifying God is the one who has the power, the only one who has the power to forgive you of your sins. This same terrifying God is the one when you need to go and you need to confront another person's sin because they're hurting other people. This terrifying God is the one who empowers you as you go and offer to pray for a family member who doesn't want to hear it or pray for a coworker, and you're not sure if you're going to get in trouble or not. This same terrifying God is the one who goes before you when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ that there is a God in heaven who has loved humanity, who has loved you each and every Every one of you enough to send his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross in our place and is resurrected so that whoever puts their trust in him can have eternal life this same God is the one who goes before us as we give water in the name of Jesus as we give food in the name of Jesus as we do all the things in the name of Jesus he's called us to do this terrifying God is for us who can be against us he goes before us and so go deeper in him I know it's scary I know it can be terrifying. It's like what C.S. Lewis said about his Christ character in the Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan, right? He's a lion. And they say he's not a tame lion, but he's good. And he's on your side if you belong to Christ Jesus. Go deeper in your relationship with God and he will show you at some point in some way his terrifying goodness. And after the shaking is done, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. 
God is scary in love with you. Let's pray. Father, for whatever reason, we needed this reminder today that You are God and we are not. That true, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, You have set us apart for Your use to, to declare Your Gospel, to love others in the name of Jesus, to bear witness to the fact that Christ has lived, died, and rose again and shall return in glory. We are Your witnesses. Father, You are so much and so further beyond us. May we remember that reverence. But as we realize Your power, help us to realize that, that same power, that, 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 that same force the raw power of all of creation in the person of Jesus Christ was still able to take little babies and bounce them on His knee to embrace sinners. And when He was persecuted, when He was hated, when He was crucified, He did not use that power to destroy humanity. Instead, He was total power under control and died on that cross so that all humanity could be saved. As Jesus lives and lives forevermore, and he's, as He comes again in power and in glory, we pray that we look forward to that day. I pray for this congregation in those moments where Your power terrifies us. May we with shaking hands praise You and worship You and be in awe that You the powerful one, you, the maker of all things, you, the one who has created everything and could destroy it in an instant. You are mindful of us. You stoop down. You reach down. You know us by name and you know every single hair on our head. You have so much regard for us and you know us better than we know ourselves. You love us dearly. Father, O oh powerful one, Jesus, Maker of all things. Holy Spirit, Sustainer of our souls. May we worship You. And worship You well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.